Welcome into the flagship podcast, everybody. Our special guest this week is uh, the one and only Dennis Dodd, one of the great national college football writers uh, in this country. Of course, he writes for CBSSports.com. If you're not following him, then you're you're way behind. So get uh, get on it. And uh, Dennis, welcome in, my man. Chip, how are you? It's nice to see another human, even if it's on Zoom. I'm telling you what, man. We were supposed to be at uh, Big 12 Media oh, yeah. Days. No. Big 12 Media Day. No. We're getting nothing. But we have <laughs> each other. That's what we have. So we're, we're going with it. And uh, Dennis, Mad Dog 2020, I mean, this is uh, it's insane. But uh, we're getting you know, each power five conference is taking a whack at what they think is going to work for a college football season. And, um, so give me your thoughts on, on where we are, because there, there are a lot of layers to this onion with regard to, you know, how mad dog 2020 could ultimately change everything with regard to, uh, the power five and their governing structure and everything else. But let's, uh, let's start with, you know, the Big Ten coming out first and saying conference only. Yeah, they, to to the view of a lot of the other conferences, they jumped the gun and went conference games only when they had told, gosh, when was that? I want to say it was four weeks ago maybe now. Uh, they had told the rest of the conferences, we're not going to do anything right away. That morning before they announced it, that afternoon or night, uh, we're going to be in consultation with you guys. So a lot, a lot of commissioners were really upset at Kevin Warren that he chose to take that that route but you know what it looks like they would have all ended up there anyway you know we kind of got the same you know it's just uh what ACC has plus one they're starting in different dates we don't know as we sit here and record this we don't know about the big 12 so I think they all would have ended up in the same place it's just a question of of when they did it, and it just points up how disjointed this whole thing is. People want to talk about a, a commissioner of college football. It's never going to happen just based on this alone. Uh, they can't well, even agree on when to – how many damn games to play. How are they going to decide the big stuff? Yeah. I mean, you have to get rid of all the conference commissioners, and you have to have the presidents leading the charge. Um, we might as well jump right there, Dennis, because – um, I've been saying for years that the Power Five should collectively bargain their media rights because that's where the most money is. Mm-hmm. Now, getting the SEC to absorb the Pac-12 and getting rid of the conference commissioners and bringing in one college football commissioner, it's a lot. you got to lobby Congress to maintain your, your tax-exempt status um, if you're going to, you know, negotiate your media rights collectively like the NFL and try to generate that kind of revenue, which I think is there, but we're starting to see some things that are being forced by COVID-19, including a scaling back of, you know, the number of games, which if you wanted to get to an eight team or even a 16 team playoff like FCS, you know, you'd have to scale back some on the regular season. I don't know if presidents and chancellors are at that point yet, but it seems like we're getting closer to the Power Five breaking away from the NCAA in terms of the governing structure. Yeah, I think a lot of it's already happened perceptively. The, the group of five has never been more detached from the process in terms of recruiting 
financially. You saw what what happened to them when they started to make these schedules. They weren't even a consideration. Uh, Thirteen, the MAC lost thirteen games with the Big Ten, and I think the number I counted up was somewhere north of seventeen million dollars in game guarantees that that just went away. You know, they may reschedule those. I don't know. But for schools in the MAC, that's a big deal. Um, so it, it, I think a lot of it's already here. Uh, and I think the news coming out over the weekend that uh, the Power Five may stage its own fall championships if the NCAA cancels them is less about that actual action and more about that they're now talking openly that they can. Even if the quotes in the Sports Illustrated story were, were not attributed, I think just going that far for a lot of these people uh, to be quoted and saying this stuff was, was huge. And I, I was able to, you know, confirm and corroborate the story right away that absolutely this is the case. And I, I suspect it won't happen, but this is like shot, you know, shooting a something across the bow. Don't cross us. You know, this may not happen because the, the, pre, the president's uh, the, the board of governors, excuse me, of the NCA may be so intimidated that they, they just punt on Tuesday. And by punt, I mean not voting at all, uh, separating divisions two and three from everybody else and say, yeah, you guys can't play a championship, but everybody else can because you don't have the, the money for testing. Uh, I, I, I'm starting to think now that I, I don't think they'll, they'll cancel fall championships as bad as things are in the country right now with, with COVID-19. The, the Power Five have, have won this round. Yeah, and uh, and it looks like when you um, you know you have the NCA, they've already pushed this vote off, you know, delayed it, and mm-hmm. I think you're right. I think this may ultimately just come down to, hey, you know what, y'all do what you're gonna do. Um, if if we get a breakaway, if we get the Power Five breaking away, I've said that it can happen in football, and you could leave everybody in basketball you've got those tv contracts with cbs turner everything that you know if the power five broke away and did their own tournament with their own tv rights you get all kinds of lawsuits do you think that we would have the power five breaking away in just football or do you think that we would have them break away in basketball as well well there's two ways to answer that if the ncaa tournament is less than seven and a half months away. I don't, I don't think people realize that now. Does anybody think this is gonna be cleared up by then? Right. And if, if it's not, and the tournament's affected in some kind of way, uh, you know, no fans, half fans, whatever, um, abbreviated tournament, in some kind of way, what, what good is the NCAA at that point? Because right now, Pat Forty, our good friend at Sports Illustrated, said they're nothing more than really good party planners right now you know, every March. And that's what they do. So I think before you answer that question, you got to consider that. And then then you would say yes, because to me, the NCAA exists really only for one reason. It's, it's not to be sued these days. It goes into every decision they make. They, they figure out their liability first, and then they speak. And sometimes they don't figure out their liability when they speak. And that's Mark Emmert. <laughs> and yeah. that's another point here to be made about the power five, they're really frustrated with him and his lack of leadership and everything I've mentioned the, the, the tournament, it was right to cancel the tournament. But as, as we subsequently found out in the fine reporting from the Washington post, 
the NCAA spent 200 million of that rainy day fund on legal fees. They moved 400 million of it out of an account at the recommendation of somebody or another because they thought it would be ripe for the lawyers to sue for. And so that's 600 million that could have gone to the members. So if you just take the 200 million out of that, out of that um, diminished revenue that they distributed, you would have gone, you, you, you 37 cents on the dollar. That's what the schools got in their tournament revenue this year. It would have been 71 cents on the dollar. Pretty good uh, considering yeah. if that 200 million had been in there. But that goes back to my original point. The NCAA does everything else, does everything these days, taking liability and how they can't get sued into account. And so I, I just gave you the example. And, and if that happens again, are we supposed to figure they've now got the money? I don't think they have the money. So then you're, what, what does the NCAA do at that point? Because they sure as heck don't sponsor a football championship. And a lot of people are upset at enforcement. So yeah, I, I think it's closer than people think. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, these decisions are coming down from presidents and chancellors. And that's always the, you know, there's always intrigue in that. It's not athletic-minded folks it's academic minded folks and what ultimately is the impetus uh to get presidents and chancellors to think about athletics in such a way um you know it it i've always said it's going to take something cataclysmic in the pac 12 right now we've got student athletes and you know i've said if you if you collectively bargain media rights as the power five the way the nfl does you could generate enough revenue for better health insurance for student athletes for an image and likeness stipend that would be scalable um, because we're never going to be able to police name image and likeness i mean no way no how this is ridiculous it's going to be the wild west and and you know if a booster wants to spend 500 grand on a student athlete to come to that school great yeah i'm okay with it at this point i'm okay with it frankly I mean, let the coach try and rein that kid in and yeah. let the booster go tell his golf buddies he brought him there for a year or whatever, you know? You want to waste that money? And if the kid doesn't work out, how embarrassed is he with his golf buddies? The, right. the market will set itself. So, but so, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, I just, you know, when we look at the Pac-12 right now and what, what's going on there with students, you know, putting out their list of demands, um, that's a multi-layered situation because they're talking about safety for covid then they're talking about you know we want better health insurance six years after we leave which is a reasonable claim but i don't know that it all fits in together here and then you know you've got other demands being made what uh when you look at this thing and it's student athletes have never had more leverage than they have right now um what what do you see coming out of this? Well, I think the Pac-12 thing is just a symptom of everything else that we've seen. It's a symptom of, of Black Lives Matter combined with the pandemic. And even before the Pac-12 thing, you've seen it in the last few weeks. Uh, athletes have been more empowered to speak out. I don't think that's, gonna, that's going to end. Then you throw, eventually you throw NIL into it where they're going to, you know, sooner or later, every coach in uh, – an AD in the country is going to have to meet with a marketing agent, you know, for some, not everyone, but for the top players and how unsavory that might be, but you're going to have to do it or else you're going to lose the loyalty of your player. 
it, you know, it, it was going to happen. You know, the Pac-12 thing, I think it had some very noble points in there, things to pursue about racial or social justice. I don't think the one about, you know, re requesting 50% of the revenue, that looked like a, a NBA or Major League Baseball negotiation with the players union. That, that's not going to happen, at least for now. Uh, demanding that Larry Scott take a drastic cut in salary. We can agree, we can all agree that he makes too much money, but you're, you're only worth what somebody will pay you. And that's what they deemed to pay him. I don't know if that's anybody's business right now, especially the players. Um, yeah. And, and some of the other stuff is, you know, I, I think they can be, they can set up, I think they wanted to set up a committee to address um, racial inequalities. Yeah, great. You know, go for it. I, I have a couple of questions, but, but again, I, I have my doubts about their movement. They say they have hundreds of players, the 13 players on the list that they put in the press release, not even the whole pack 12 is, is represented. So we'll see. But again, I think it's a process. Uh, you know, it, it sure, certainly doesn't end here. It may continue here. And I think there's some very good points to be made, but, it, you know, it doesn't end here. It's going to go on. When, when you look at the college football season, whatever it, whenever it starts, however long it lasts, um, is it even possible to just look at football and trying to decide who your favorites are in each conference? I mean – You've got so many things going on, like in the Big 12, Oklahoma State, Chuba Hubbard, yeah. who chose to come back. The nation's yeah. leading rusher. Could have gone and probably been a first or second round pick in the NFL. Comes back, and then he's the one calling out his coach. And Mike Gundy agrees to a pay cut and shortening his contract and changing his buyout. I mean, we're seeing some radical stuff here. And Oklahoma State looks like a contender in the Big 12, but how do you – how do you factor in the locker room when you're trying to, to figure out who the favorites are? Oh, gosh. I, I, don't, I, I can't even begin to do that because I don't know. I mean, I know what I've read. But I think at the end of the day, unless and until those top contenders are impacted by uh, COVID players loss, games loss that they can't play, it's still going to be Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, Oklahoma, Ohio State, uh, the same schools. I, I, I don't – think the schedule is going to have much to do with that. Um, uh, and, and I don't think it's going to have any radical impact on, on the conference standings. I, I might be wrong, but I, I just think it's, if we get there, I think it's going to be fascinating to watch these conference games only some of them plus one, but I think it's going to be a cautionary, not a cautionary tale, but maybe a preview for the future. Hey, this looks pretty good. We can make a lot of money here. Maybe the, the price of our rights go up if we play more conference games, um, you know, right now, I think the big 12 is on the hook to deliver 57 games to, I think, uh, I think it's just ESPN. I don't know if it's Fox two or not, but 57 games, if they go nine plus one, that gets them to 56. So that goes, that has to go into a lot of their thinking uh, when you're trying to decide between nine conference games only and a full 12 game schedule. Um, for those last two options, they fulfill it, one, and for the nine plus one, they get darn close. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it is fascinating. And what are we learning about each of these conference um, commissioners, like Commissioner Warren in the Big Ten? I mean, he comes in for the godfather, Jim Delaney, 
who was running realignment. I mean, this, he's the reason we had realignment in 2010. Um, and now, you know, what do we what do we know about Commissioner Warren up there in the Big Ten? Very mysterious figure. Um, not many people know him. The the presidents kind of went off the reservation when they decided to hire him because he wasn't a college guy. He made his bones in the NFL with the Vikings. Very well thought of, very well qualified. But up until the moment they actually made the announcement, it was it was assumed that uh, Jim Phillips, the AD at Northwestern, was going to get the job. So what the presidents were saying in that hire is we're going to hire a different guy because we want different results. Um, they're doing pretty good right now, by the way, 50 million plus per, per school per year in rights fees. Um, you know, uh, Kevin, again, comes highly qualified, but I know there was a lot, as I said, up top, there's a lot of people upset at him for what he did in, uh, in going conference games only. So it, it remains to be seen. They're kind of talking out of both sides of their mouth because the big 10 has let it be known. They may not play fall sports. I mean, that's kind of leaked out there. And, and that includes football. So on one hand, they would be the first to go to a conference game only and shorten the schedule and then be the first, it sounds like to me, if it happens to, to cancel the season. Well, what does that mean? I mean, what, I don't know what the, and both of them, my point is both of them very early in the process. So what are they, what, what is the Big Ten right now? I'm, I'm not sure the Big Ten knows because Kevin Warren's a very mysterious figure at the moment. Okay, let's take a quick break here on the flagship podcast and we will be right back for the rest of our interview with dennis dodd of cbssports.com when you look at the big 12 um it seems like we we do an inventory about during these times which conference is the strongest and who's best set up for the future um what's your assessment of the big 12 i think it's pretty good um it I don't think it's gotten the credit for standing out there and doing the round robin thing. Uh, they were very forward thinking and getting rid of the divisions and going to the top two teams that can do nothing but help them in a conference that was, had been most impacted by upsets in the uh, conference championship game era of any league. So that was smart. Uh, in fact, what was, it? I think the ACC, yes, the ACC is doing that this year, maybe as a one-off, maybe, maybe they keep it. Um, you know, I think when you have an Oklahoma winning five championships in a row, that's the same as Clemson. Um, Big 12 is miles better than, than the ACC right now. Uh, it would be better if, if Texas and Oklahoma were there every year. They're not. We're still asking the question, has Texas turned the corner? I thought we had answered it a year ago at this time, and now we haven't to the point that Tom Herman's on the hot seat. Uh, so it, it – the big 12s as good as Oklahoma and Texas are. I mean, Oklahoma state. Yeah. But Oklahoma state is, you know, always over promises it seems and under delivers, even when they go 10 and two, you know, this looks like a 10 and two team to me that if they played 12 games, they'd have one of the greatest offenses in the country, but then would lose a, a 50 to 40 game, which has happened a lot in the past with them, but it does add some depth. Iowa state is good. Um, you know, they're, I think Kansas State's going to hang in there. Not so sure about Texas Tech or West Virginia, but there is some depth there. I think it's a pretty good league. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Um, you know, and obviously uh, TCU, Gary Patterson, who's got some stuff going on right now today with 
yeah. some conflicting reports out of their locker room about what Gary Patterson was trying to say um, about the use of the N word yeah. uh, among players. But, um, you know, Gary's got a 20 year history at TCU. He's his team uh, tends to bounce back after a tough year. And, uh, and of course they brought in Zach Evans, the enigma uh, running back recruit who um, initially had uh, had signed with Georgia. But, um, you know, Dennis, when, when you look at the SEC and Alabama, LSU, LSU, the defending national champion, Texas A&M, um, a team that, you know, Jimbo Fisher has been recruiting well, and now some of his recruiting classes are starting to mature. What's your take on Texas A&M? I think it's a bad time to be in the SEC West. Um, I've never seen it more competitive than it is right now. And that includes Texas A&M, who has a very favorable schedule and, you know, could compete in that division, except you've got the defending national champion and a team that's probably favored to win it all this year, or at least start number one, that's Alabama. So, and, and you know, that, that in year three under Jimbo, then if that doesn't happen, there's going to be people in Aggie land. They're going to be upset. You know, this is why they got into the league. They wanted to win championships. That's why they gave Jimbo $75 million. Um, but I, you know, I don't think what they understand is I've already written about this this year, but uh, that division alone, the coaches in that division have won seven out of the last 11 national championships. Um, you really don't get to an easy out until Arkansas. You know, you've got Ole Miss with Lane Kiffin, Mississippi State with Leach. So they're going to be a factor because we know they're good coaches. Um, I already told you about LSU, who I think in any other year would be loaded, but they're competing against, you know, an all-time team of last year, 15-0. and 0. I think they're a really good-looking 10-2 and 2 team possibly. And then Alabama is just going to keep right on chugging. So I, I think I think A&M's really good. they got a senior quarterback. I uh, have to replace some things on defense. but it's just a bad time to be in the SEC West. I like uh, I like Dan Mullen in Florida in the SEC I East. I think they're I think people are sleeping on that. But Dennis, let's let's get into the Big Twelve. Dave Aranda, you've spent time around Dave Aranda. Um, he comes in, he takes over at Baylor after Matt Rule had an incredible eleven and one regular season last year. Great defense. What do we know about Dave Aranda as a you know, you is a guy you'd project. I mean, Joe Castiglione yeah. hired Bob Stoops as a defensive coordinator from Florida. The guy won a national championship in his second year. What do we know about Dave Aranda? I don't know if we know anything about him as a head coach. Uh, USC thought they had him hired as their new defensive coordinator um, to replace uh, Clancy Pendergast, I think it was. And then all of a sudden, you know, Baylor opens up and um, – with, uh, with Matt Rule leaving, and he, you know, he jumps right into it. I think he's qualified. Uh, I think he's a good recruiter. You'd have to be at LSU. I, I just don't know much about him as an X and O coach. He's, he's a very good defensive coordinator with some of the best talent available to him in the country. I think he's a good, good fit at Baylor, um, and they've got some pieces there to compete. Uh, but, but, look, I think Matt Rule is really, really special, one of a kind. When I – look at his last game or last regular season game there at Baylor when they're playing the third string quarterback who hadn't even taken reps, I think that week, and they've got Oklahoma in overtime. Now they lost the game, 
but I think he's something special and you really have to in some ways squeeze the squeeze the tomato to get all the juice out in in football at Baylor to succeed in basketball Scott Drew's killing it I mean he's you know could be preseason number one recruiting everything else but Baylor still still operates in the shadow of Texas and A&M and some others in there in Oklahoma where it recruits right down there so you know to have a rookie coach in that situation rookie head coach in that situation we'll see you mentioned Tom Herman earlier and you know he had the 10 win season the win over Georgia and the Sugar Bowl and then followed it up with a disappointing regular season fires both coordinators what's your perception of Texas um, and Tom Herman well as I said it's you know he's on the hot seat um, you know this is what year four I guess now I'm trying to remember yep. uh, you know I, I thought they had turned the corner you beat Georgia you beat Oklahoma last year and then kind of fall back and you know I, I think we've seen as good as Sam Ellinger is I think we've seen his ceiling and you know which is very good but you know you know what it takes to beat Texas if you can suppress him a little bit because the running game isn't great the defense was a tremendous disappointment then you can beat them uh that that said Tom Herman's still recruiting at a high level I think the story there is the results have to equal the recruiting remember the first year when he said the first recruiting class was kind of a throwaway he didn't use those words but he said Bridge transition, yeah. yeah, yeah transition transition class. group. How would you like if you're if you're one of those guys in that recruiting class? How would you, you like to be called a transition group? But right. Anyway, and it just hasn't lived up. And you know, at, at Texas, they're not going to have much patience. Every game, every championship that Oklahoma wins just puts on more pressure. And five in a row has to be eating at those people a lot. So you know, uh, I would advise Tom Herman to, to beat OU this week, this year, and uh, and win the Big Twelve. I think. It, uh, it seems like Lincoln Riley at least was considered for the Dallas Cowboys uh, coaching position, but Lincoln Riley wanted to stay in Norman, Oklahoma. Um, your, your take on the mule shoe magician. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, he may coach in the NFL one day, but if he didn't figure it, this out, others would figure it out for him. You know, you've got 30 years left in your career, 28 years, whatever right now you can go to the nfl with what you've done right now you can go to the nfl at any time if you if you want to scratch that itch he's got it rolling at oklahoma i mean it's 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 going pretty good um you know i, I don't know if bob stoops ever won five in a row in fact i know he didn't because this is the longest streak at least in that conference since ou won 12 or 13 in a row in the 50s when they won all those 47 games in a row that's saying something, um, you know, in any league. So, he, you know, why not see how far you can take this thing? And he hasn't won a championship yet. I think he's going to. Um, I think he's got the pieces and he's got them in place. So why not ride this out? And you know, the money, the money's basically the same. He's getting paid like an NFL coach. So if you're comfortable, and, and he is, and, you know, him and Joe C, great relationship with the regents, everything. Everything's going great. Why do you want to get into that, you know, the cauldron of Jerry Jones and the Cowboys? Better job, more prestigious job. But as I said up top, he can have that job or any NFL job at the snap of his fingers at any point in his career. Why not see how far you can go in college? Yeah. 
Well, Dennis, what uh, what do you think is the next big thing that uh, we need to look for uh, with regard to the college football season? Well, I think as far as playing the season, it'll be this month in a few days, really, when the students start getting back to campus. And there's naturally going to be spikes all over the country and outbreaks of COVID. And while that may not necessarily have anything to do with football, it will not be a positive for the game coming back. You know, in other words, sooner or later, these players are going to go out by, by nature, they're college students, they're going to socialize. And if the schools can't keep these, these students safe, how can they keep these players safe short of a bubble, which they're trying their darndest to do. And, but you can't, they're going to go to class. Um, you know, they are going to socialize. They're going to go out on dates and go to parties, at least some of them. And, and you're going to have, it, it comes back to, somebody told me this a few weeks ago, what's your risk tolerance? You know, is your risk tolerance one hospitalized player? Because I think if that happens at all in the country, they shut it down. Is your risk tolerance the whole offensive line? Can you still play? You know, there's a group of ADs in the Big 12 that are modeling what a for not a forfeit, what a postponement looks like. What would qualify as a postponement? Is it losing your quarterback where you don't want to go out there and risk losing a game? Or is it the safety and welfare of the players overall? The, the, the stakeholders keep telling us that, and they keep pushing through this, you know, this fog of, uh, of positives, hoping for the best possible result. So you know, we'll see. I think that's the next marker. And I, I can't give you a date because it, when it happens, it'll happen, and we'll know. It'll be on the nightly news. You know, big spike in the Midwest universities, big spike in California, um, in, in college campuses, and it won't be pretty. Could we see um, two of the Power Five conferences finishing a football season and three not? Gosh. Yes, we could. And when people ask me about the probability of football, I just tell them, I believe there will be some games that are going to be played. Don't ask me when. Don't ask me if the season's going to be completed, if there's going to be a playoff or conference championship games. Because, you know, it's been a, a really uh, – sound voice on this is Bob Bowlesby because he said through the entire these entire five months he said that there's going to be a disruption and that's pretty ominous not not a, a disruption that means we stop playing well if you stop playing you don't stop playing for a week you know it's not like something you get over a bad cold look, look what's happening to baseball so if that comes I don't know if they'll restart um, I don't know how they can restart frankly if you're five games in and there's so many positives that you can't play and you decide three weeks later you're going to play, well, then you're into January and you can't get the season done. So I, I, I sound like I've been called Dr. Death before or Debbie Downer. It's, it's, hard, it's hard to talk about George's quarterback situation at the moment, if you know what yeah. I mean. <laughs> well, I, I think that this has run through some of these programs. I, I do. Where, I do. And yeah. I, I think we may have less outbreak among the football team than we do on campus because it's already hit the football team yeah. and they've recovered from it in, in certain instances. But uh, Dennis, great conversation and a, at a crazy time, mad dog, 2020, you're doing a great job. Everybody needs I'm gonna start to follow using you. That. I'm going to use that. Mad oh man. I like that. Um, Dennis Dodd, CBS. He's everywhere. He's on it. And, uh, and Dennis, we appreciate the time, man, so much. Thanks for joining us here on the uh, flagship podcast. All right, Chip. Enjoyed it. Thanks so much. All right. Thanks to everybody for listening to the flagship podcast. Of course, uh, 
Get over to iTunes. Give us a five-star rating if you're enjoying what you're hearing. Uh, give us a review. We'll read it on the air. And, uh, and until next time, stay safe and keep the faith.